Oh my god, all of the aliens have landed here in New York and we have to go fight them. Okay. Everyone, follow me. I'm Iron Man. Uh, Hawkeye, let's go here. You and me will get to the battle first. Uh, just us? Nobody else can join yeah, us? Yeah, just you and me. Everyone will follow our lead. Let's go. Let's kill them all. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm a little concerned because you have all this protective gear. What do you mean? Well, I just don't, I don't have uh, armor. No, no, only I have the suit. And then that other guy that I gave the suit to. Well. And then in the later movie, Infinity War, I give Spider-Man a suit because okay. he needs it because he's going to space. But I don't have a spare suit right now to give you. I mean, you're fine. You're Hawkeye. You are you have great aim with a bow and arrow. No, I know. And I'm Hawkeye and usually I don't wear anything, but this looks dangerous. No. Just give me one suit. You're going to You have extra suits, hey, don't you? Lend me one. On. I wouldn't lead you into a battle with thousands of aliens with unknown capabilities and have them kill you, um, you'll be fine. I don't know. You can I'm scared. Jump and run and hide behind a car. I. What if they blow up the car and I get the ricochet kills me? I, I doubt they're going to blow up any cars. What? Listen, let's just get out of here. I'm, I'll have a suit and uh, I'll make you a suit next time. Okay, so you owe me a suit. Yeah. No, I owe you a suit. Let's go. Okay, that's fair. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? science or will we have to fight Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh, and today I am thrilled beyond belief to be talking about the Avengers 2012 billion and a half dollar profiting Avengers. You've all probably seen it. Anyways, my guest today, I can introduce at the same time, which might be a first. Uh, we have Daniel and Jorge from Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. How's it going, guys? Hello. How's it? Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. I'm I'm absolutely delighted, and I feel like I'm, I, I got to take apart here each of your intros because you are both scientists, right? I mean, you're both doctors. You both have doctorates. Is that correct? That's right. Please uh, take off your pants. <laughs> <laughs> and cough. <laughs> I'm going to have an exam on the podcast That's, today. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so let's start with Daniel. Dr. Daniel Whiteson, you are a particle physicist at Kern. Is that correct? Yeah, it's called CERN. It's called yeah. CERN, right, uh -huh. of course. I knew that, uh, and I was testing you. And you have <laughs> I like Kern, though. That, that sounds better. It's, Kern thank sounds you. Like it's like a, like you like get a down kernel the, of truth. Yeah, yeah, you get down to the nugget of the universe, right? <laughs> Actually, yeah. maybe the Swiss do pronounce it because <laughs> it's in Switzerland. No, it's in Switzerland, so. but they speak French, so they pronounce it Cern. Cern. Yeah, very. So that's the proper pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. We so I have a doctorate in, in languages, by the way. <laughs> I, I mean, do not have a PhD in bad French accents, though. Oh, I'm working on it. I would love to uh, study that. I, I we're in America, so it's like I'm going to pronounce it Kern. You know what I mean? That sounds <laughs> right. like a good American All company, right. right? Yeah, that sounds good. I work at yeah. Kern. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I work at uh, CERN. I'm a professor down at UC Irvine, but okay. my research is at CERN because they have the Large Hadron Collider there, oh. where we smash protons together at almost the speed of light and try to make new kinds of matter and figure out what is the kernel of the universe <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So, okay. Yeah. Sweet. That sounds really fun and complicated, and I already have a lot of questions about that. But before <laughs> we dive into it, I want to talk about Jorge here, Jorge Cham, Doctor Jorge Cham, I should say, uh, I want respectively. Uh, you are the creator of PhD Comics. So you're, you're a cartoonist and you have a PhD in robotics. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I have a PhD in um, robots, making robots, uh, which is technically engineering. Um, okay. But, uh, although I did get into a lot so of So are science. you admitting that engineering is not science? <laughs> 
I think I think I'm admitting that science is not engineering. Ooh, <laughs> turn it on you. All right. <laughs> I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. So that's fascinating. How how did that come about? Did you like were you doing these things at the same time? Were you interested in cartooning afterwards? How did you know uh, most people I feel like you have one specialty and it seems like these are both two really different specialties that you're attacking. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, a weird and funny story, but uh, so I was getting my PhD in robotics and engineering at Stanford and uh, while I was doing that I just thought it'd be fun to start a comic strip kind of about the whole experience of uh, joining academia and being a young researcher and, okay did you have and, like uh, previous expertise in drawing cartoons uh, you graphics? would think that would be a requirement but <laughs> it was a student paper so the, the bar the bar was a little low <laughs> okay uh, but I just I always just kind of doodled all my life oh. and uh, I always been a fan of comics and comic strips and so I just thought it'd be fun to do it on the side and it just kind of uh, took off after years uh, of doing it and eventually I decided it was you know a little bit more popular than my robotics research <laughs> and so it seemed it made sense to, to switch careers wow crazy okay and and we were just talking before the pod that you've now somehow made it into films you're made two films based on these comics is that correct yeah so the the comics uh, they're called PhD comics they have kind of a following online and at some point um, just kind of the opportunity came up to make uh, films based on the comics and the characters animated and films uh, no they're live action live action films yeah so we filmed them <laughs> superhero at, movies right yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, no one has super. Nobody has superpowers. Okay, uh, okay. There, uh, no special effects. But, uh, <laughs> but no, they're they're pretty cool. They're uh, they're filmed at Caltech here in Los Angeles, wow. and it, they feature like real grad students who kind of had a passion for acting and directing and things like that. And so we made movies based on the comics. Great. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Where yeah. can people see these films? Yeah, How can we see uh, these in films? my basement. If you come over. Uh, <laughs> okay, no, that I'm doesn't sound kidding. weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you can find them at phdmovie.com, so you can stream uh, both of them there. Yeah, they're comedies. Uh, they're Great. fun. They're uh, emotional, also, and uh, they're um, a, a good, good show. Okay, wonderful. Well, that sounds great. I can't wait to watch those. And uh, leads us right into the Avengers. Yeah, which uh, I will admit to you guys because uh, we we briefly spoke on the phone, and it seemed like there was some tension because <laughs> I don't know about the Marvel uh, cinematic universe, as uh-huh. I've now learned that it's called. Uh, I had not seen the Avengers before. We're talking. Wow. Of course, about the, again, 2012, the first Avengers, because mm. when I have told my friends about the Avengers, they, the instant question is like, the latest Avengers? Which Avengers? What are you talking about? And I was like, no, it's just called the Avengers. Am I? What are you? What are you talking about? I don't understand. How do you host a? podcast about science fiction movies and not see the Avengers. I know. I've, it must I, be well, deliberate choice. Is it technically choice. science fiction or is it more like fantasy? What I get a lot of crap for way worse atrocities than the Avengers. Trust me. <laughs> I am not... Uh, this is not your gravest offense. All right, yeah, exactly. I'm like I haven't seen The Godfather or The Matrix <laughs> or Lord of the Rings. Or... Yeah, exactly. I don't know what gravity is at all. I'm just here trying to figure it out with you guys. Have you uh, actually seen any movies? Or you just sort of no, I've only up? seen Men in Black and Mrs. Doubtfire, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're all set there, I think. Yeah, yeah. I just read the Wikipedia plot summaries and go from there. <laughs> yeah, it's like Spark Notes uh, when I was in school. Um, let's put my thoughts to the side for a second. I want to know your takes. Did you see it in theaters? Are you a big fan of this film? 
Yeah, well, uh, I have a long relationship with the Marvel Universe. So uh, I grew up in Panama, which is a, a very small country in Central America. And so, like, our, you know, for us, American culture was, like, so in- interesting and, and, and incredible. And we just wanted to consume as much of it as possible. Uh, so there was this one chain of stores in Panama that would bring comic books from the U.S. Okay. And so as a kid, I really just grew up reading and devouring these comics. Um, and especially just the Marvel Universe, just kind of, like, how colorful and how... Uh, real and kind of, I mean, not real, obviously, but <laughs> you know, kind of very, very sort of emotionally based mm-hmm. uh, stories uh, that I sort of grew up with, and so yeah, I was very excited when like Iron Man came out, and it was actually really good, yeah. and I think that surprised most of the universe, really. <laughs> uh, and then just the way they've been building up to these Avengers movies, that I think to me has been a, a pretty, uh, pretty uh, just it's a feat of like production and yes. filmmaking and like storytelling. It to me has been. Um, pretty impressive okay okay I'm a big fan of all of these movies, and I think uh, I want to touch on the sort of category question that was raised earlier, like, is this science fiction or is it fantasy? Mm-hmm. And to me, it's definitely science fiction, which is why I like it, because yeah. no matter what happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're always suggesting that there's an explanation. Like, if you dug deep enough, or maybe they'll make a movie about one day, but like, there's a science explanation for why this happens, or dark energy this, or whatever that. Yeah. It's never just like, you know, write it off as supernatural or magic. There's always supposed to be an explanation. And to me, that's that's scientific, right? Yes. There's an answer to every question. You might not know it right now, but it is answerable. And so to me, they're definitely science fiction, and that's one reason I love them. And it's definitely clear that they spent some of their gazillion-dollar budget on science advisors, right? Yes. They didn't just, like, <laughs> Google random science phrases, which is a huge step up from a lot of movies. So yeah. kudos to them. Yeah. Um, they definitely they definitely tried to get this right. Although I would sort of argue that maybe Iron Man is, more, is not really science fiction. It's more like engineering fiction. Mm. Mm. I like that. Yeah, that's a, like, that's a new genre of film. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's ready discovered. to take off. You know, <laughs> <laughs> engineering fiction. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just kind of like the the it's it's kind of about him kind of putting this stuff together, and making it work, and testing it, and trying it, and, yes. and yeah, it's about the mechanics. Not so much as like new science or science concept, but just kind of like a yeah, just it's a machine, and that's kind of I think what made it interesting. Yeah, totally. I think Iron Man is awesome, also because his superpower sort of is science. Mm-hmm. He's like, you have a problem? I can science it. You right, know, right. I, he can well, engineer it. You mean? Yeah, I can. You know, come up with an arc <laughs> reactor, which I think is science, and uh, you know, come up with a, a strategy to de- you know to defeat this problem or invent some new kind of suit or something. Like mm-hmm. he personally doesn't have like a physical superpower. Mm, yes. He just like applies the rules of the universe around him to solve the problem. And I thought yeah, that was right. pretty awesome. He's just smart. He's just smart. He's just and really smart. The other awesome thing about him is he's one of the few like positive portrayals of a scientist or engineer um, in the movies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hold on. I agree with you, but what? What is this undertone debate happening <laughs> between engineering and science? Why is Danny it? Danny has a long simmering <laughs> resentment of, of pop culture. Appreciation for yeah. engineers. He mean. feels he feels scientists are sort of like an. Uh, <laughs> well, hold on, because I would, in my minority. head at least, I feel like science is this like huge umbrella, and then engineering would be a subset of Ooh. science. Am I wrong on that? Are there two different umbrellas, science and engineering? Uh, well, I mean, you're sort of you're sort of splitting hairs, you know. A, okay. a little bit. I mean, well, I think I'm in, not in popular co- <laughs> You guys seem to be obsessed with <laughs> one of us is We're right. splitting hairs here. Uh, I would say science hairs. is a circus tent and engineering is a tiny little parasol. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. They, you know, they live I, I harmoniously. I would agree scientists are sort of clowns. Uh, oh, you <laughs> oh walked God. right into that. You got so much work. Usually wearing 
white. I'm wearing a white lab coat right now oh, and okay. planning to take over the world. <laughs> but, the, but the point I was making was that usually scientists who have great power, they're always like driven by hubris and their desire to control everything, and they don't care about what happens to humanity. Yes, um, it's always a negative portrayal because these folks can't balance these things. But Tony Stark, like, not only does he achieve awesome stuff, he tries to benefit humanity. He like right. builds arc reactors to help save the planet. And in a lot of these movies, I'm sure you know that like he struggles with or they struggle with what do you do when one man has so much power or whatever mm-hmm. really interesting issues but they're assuming he's benevolent at least which right, is right. a big step up because I watch a lot of science fiction and see a lot of um, you know folks in lab coats planning to take over the world and that frankly just doesn't happen like none of my colleagues are planning to take over the world yeah yeah and I also enjoy just the different and, and much cooler portray- portrayal of scientists like Tony Stark is just a really cool funny <laughs> dude and you know in Black Panther uh, I can't remember her name but she was like the Shiri or something the, yeah the Shiri? sister of yeah. uh, the king was also just like really funny and cool and yeah. a super scientist cooler than in real life for sure <laughs> I don't know if it's a point of discussion even but you were talking about the consultation for the movie and I read that the science and entertainment exchange provides science consultation so I don't know if you guys like vouch for them or because usually I will I'll do some research and it's like a person or a physicist or a whatever that yeah. consults but I guess there's like a whole I don't know, company or program, a team of scientists? Did you guys know about this? I'm a member of that exchange, but I'm still waiting to hear from the Marvel Universe people. Whoa. Are you really? Well, listen, yeah. well, now that you've done this podcast, oh, yeah. I assume you'll get a call tomorrow. My phone is blowing up right now. <laughs> even you, haven't even, you haven't even published this podcast yet. <laughs> We're not done calls. with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, come on. Hire uh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Daniel. What are, what are you guys doing? Uh, he's great, clearly, uh, and loves Marvel. So what Absolutely. in the hell? Absolutely. I mean, he says he loves Marvel now, but I know for a fact that he's a DC guy. Oh, that's I right. can love more than one thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, love is endless. You like oatmeal and bananas, right? <laughs> I like science and engineering. <laughs> Although some comments from before, I don't know. Um, okay, so listen, we've established that we all love the film. We all praise the film. That's great. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one, pretty much one or, or two, I guess I can split it into two, issues with this movie yeah, I want to know if let's you break guys, it down I want to know if you guys feel the same because it bothered me several times and again this is coming from somebody who does not know about this stuff okay <laughs> so I'm sure there's great reasons for it in the comic books etc here's my main issue mm-hmm. uh, Hawkeye yep. uses a bow and arrow also doesn't have any superpowers like Tony Stark but as you mentioned Tony Stark has this crazy suit uh, he's super smart etc Hawkeye has a bow and arrow <laughs> and no armor <laughs> he's practiced what, a what lot, is he doing there? like a <laughs> lot why is he there and then I feel the same way for uh, Black Widow who mm. is standing there with pistols uh, shooting at an alien race uh, and all these guys get knocked just around just another pretty face as they say right <laughs> right yeah. yes uh, but I don't I just could not get over it I was trying to I was trying to just like go with it and ignore it and you know like Nick Fury's uh, character obviously not a superhero but he's like in charge of this whole I don't know what it is uh, council or whatever so I just thought like okay why aren't they like just part of that team like why don't they just work on strategy and organizing but they're not they're out in the field as if they are a Hulk and or, so can Nick Fury right he like jumps out of a helicopter that's crashing in this movie and like comes oh, up that's shooting true. and that's stuff true. Like, but yeah. that's because it was like emergency situation <laughs> yeah. at the beginning he but was trying everybody to stop in the whole organization 
organization is capable of like high-end martial arts at any moment. Okay, right? I must hear be that. Part of the training, I don't know. But these people have like super health to them. Like Thor gets knocked around, Tony Stark gets knocked around. He has the suit, and they get back up, and it's no big deal. If you knock over Hawkeye or Black Widow into a cement block or into a car, <laughs> you're dead. They're dead yep. on the spot. Yep. Right, right. It's always convenient how they, in, in big fights they they escape some of the bigger yes the, the, the cartwheel. The, the, the bigger guys get. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I know why. It ha- I agree it's totally awkward. Okay. And, and I think the reason it happens is that they originally are totally different characters from different sort of mini-universes, right, with their own origins. And then when you bring them together into a story, it doesn't make sense if one of them is, like, all-powerful and the other one's totally dinky. So I think they're right. trying to bring them up into this sort of the same level so they can play in the same field. But okay. it's a little awkward. It's like Batman versus Superman. Like, I never Batman got can that never win. Right. Right? I never understood that. And in this Superman movie... Superman blow and, and kill Batman, right? Yeah, he has, like, <laughs> laser yeah. eyes. Yeah. Does he not? Yeah. yeah. What are we talking? He can't about? Live no moment, right? yeah, that's ridiculous. And so, it's like, stupid because Superman puts up with Batman. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Superman takes pity on Batman. Superman <laughs> entertains Batman and, like, for a in, while. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And in this movie, like um, Iron, even Iron Man versus Thor. Like, okay, this is Thor, man. Like <laughs> Iron Man is wearing a suit of iron. Like <laughs> right. Thor can't punch through iron. Thor's hammer doesn't like destroy iron. I don't. I don't really understand. Yeah. Maybe Captain America's shield is made of vibranium, but yeah, I think. It's pretty implausible. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Mm-hmm. Captain America was another one. I, I at least, because again, I don't know the origins and stuff, but they did mention that he was like made in a lab and then frozen. So in my head, I was like, oh, he must have some sort of superhuman capabilities uh, yeah. for healing or for I don't know what. So it's like, kind of makes sense to he me. He's super soldier, super serum, right? Yeah, that's exactly. Right. <laughs> they injected him with it. <laughs> well, it inject Black Widow and Hawkeye with it too then, damn it. <laughs> They're just, I don't know. So that for me was like huh. the one of the only issues I, I really could not get over in the film. Well, I, f- I feel like I should stand up for uh, some of the big comic book geeks uh, out there. Um, Please. So, so in the comics, Hawkeye does sort of have a superpower. Okay. So he's just like really good at... <laughs> At aiming things, <laughs> oh, practices oh a lot, right? <laughs> no, like uh, at least in the more recent reboots of the comics, he he like he can throw anything and, and be lethal with it. Like oh, he'll take okay. a paperclip and he can like Whoa, shoot it straight into your eyes. I would have loved to see that, by something. the way. That sounds great. Yeah, it sounds where does cool. that come from? Is he like genetically different, or is he practiced a lot, or is it given to him by some I, watery tart? You know, pulling a sword they, from a lake. Yeah, I think we're still waiting for the Hawkeye movie. You know, oh, oh, yeah, but yeah. somehow he's Answer an elite. He's an elite agent. Yeah. But that's the thing I mean about these being science movies, like. In theory, there is a story there, right? And if they do a Hawkeye movie, they'll elucidate it and explain all this stuff, right? They won't right. just be like, magic. <laughs> right. I, we would hope yeah. so. Yeah. Because <laughs> be a I, short movie. Yeah. Um, but I think the movie sort of weaves it in pretty well in that they, you know, they in the plot, uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye are agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. You know, they're like, you know, agent, agents that are already there and they're sort of the handlers for these kind of big superpower dudes and, yes. and beings. So that's sort of how they weave them in, I think. Okay. I just, I don't know. It would have been a lot more realistic and a lot if everyone more. everyone had superpowers. Or, yeah, a lot if everyone has superpowers or they get killed you know like an alien comes and just knocks them in the face <laughs> and they're dead now or like Thor just accidentally moves his arm and like <laughs> right well you shouldn't have been hanging out with Thor so much <laughs> yeah. in the battlefield <laughs> um, okay so but leaving that aside obviously I, I kind of get what you were saying Daniel is like they're just trying to like combine all these characters into one big epic movie so of course it's going to be a little bit uneven wonky uh, mm-hmm. which I get it just I just had to say it because 
there were some scenes that it just looks so you know they're all fighting and she's just firing pistols into the air I was like what is happening right now I, I gotta agree and I think that's the weakest part of the movie the part that I don't really enjoy is like watching invincible guys punch each other for 10 minutes like, right you know nobody's gonna die yeah. what happens in any particular moment this punch that punch doesn't make any difference right right so you're just really watching punching yeah um, I didn't even get really why like I thought it was strange how okay Thor comes up to the airplane takes Loki and then Iron Man is just pissed that he stole him even though he knows like oh Thor is like a good guy he's he's for our cause he's protector of earth etc but he still goes and picks a fight with him and they start like you know almost to the point of shattering Iron Man's suit you know instead of just talking it out or so I thought that was a little why can't we just talk it out guys yeah be diplomatic here (laughs) you're you're both on the same side whoa whoa (laughs) whoa let's all have to do a trust exercise first yeah yeah trust I like that though I thought that was really like you know, mm. Iron Man is a kind of a self-centered jerk, right? And that That's might true, be yeah. how the way he behaves. He likes to be the most important one, and so yeah. I think they did a great job of really developing characters. And as Jorge was saying, like having honest emotional arcs to these people, that makes the movie interesting. How they disagree about how to handle situations, right? That's true. Uh, okay, here's another real stupid one before we get into, like, awesome science stuff, which I do want to <laughs> dive into, and I promise that we will. And I think this is, like, the age-old question, Hulk's pants. Right. <laughs> Hulk's pants. Yeah, are they stretchy, or what are they made out of? Right? Yeah. They must be made out of dark energy like everything else in the movie, right? <laughs> right. Well, for me, this really touches on something that I've always wondered as a kid, even uh, about the Hulk, just in, in terms of the science, right? Uh-huh. Like, uh, like you know, he's a he's a, like a, a regular guy, weighs like, you know, 160, 180 or whatever. Sure. And then suddenly he's uh, he transformed into this huge hulking, you know, three-ton <laughs> being. How, where does that mass come from? You know, oh. like, that's a science question there. Okay. Like, does the mass used to appear out of nowhere? Gamma rays. Yeah, but where, what do you mean? Like he's he's storing the gamma rays, or what do you what do you think, Daniel? How would you yeah, explain how does that, that work? The science. That's a great question, right? And um, you know they lean on gamma rays pretty heavily in in Marvel, and I think that's cool. And remember, Hulk's origin story is he was irradiated by gamma rays in the lab. I think actually trying to recreate Captain America's super serum, right? Oh, okay. Um, or oh, right, like right, right. Yes, yeah. they did say that. That's yeah. right. Um, so gamma rays like transformed his DNA somehow, and that's true, right? Gamma rays are just high energy photons. They can penetrate your body. They can can totally clobber your DNA. They will give you cancer. Whoa. They probably will not turn you into the Hulk, but they are, you know, dangerous. Um, would they turn you green, though? That is that they might turn you green, yeah. <laughs> we can okay. do some, some experiments color, at least. later if you like to try it. Um, so they are dangerous, and they, they certainly can cause mutations. Um, how does Banner gain mass and turn into the Hulk? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, especially because, well, we definitely know he's gaining volume, right? Yes. Do we know he's gaining mass? Is he like Puffier, maybe mm. just like less dense. Maybe he's like he's a just like a cl- giant cloud of ball. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> he, he doesn't could, look he, like he it. could just blow and, and he because he yeah he you mean me saying uh, his density goes down but his volume increases. That's you're saying that hasn't been properly established. Is that yeah, what I think uh, you know we should think about that option. No, I think that's pretty unlikely because he definitely seems like a heavy dude. So um, <laughs> you're right, but you know if if you wanted to come up with a plausible scientific explanation, you can always lean on energy, right? Because we know that energy and mass are equivalent. You can create mass out of energy. We do that in the Large Hadron Collider all the time. We smash particles together at very, very high speeds, turn them into heavier stuff. So you can gather energy and turn it into mass. But it takes a huge amount of energy. Like the amount of energy you would need to create like a raisin is about as much energy as in a nuclear bomb. Whoa. Oh, wow. Yeah. Out of nothing. Out of nothing. Yeah, just the energy stored in that mass. Because, you know, sometimes you see magicians like come up with a coin out of thin air. Does that mean that they're... 
Yeah, that's real magic. There's no scientific oh, okay. explanation. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, Not gamma rays or anything. <laughs> so one reason, if you if you was to uh, come up with a reason out of thin air, it would take the energy of a nuclear bomb. Yeah. So wow. I mean, so, so the Hulk is a lot of Hulk, reasons. A lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of bombs. So that's going to be a lot of gamma rays. I don't know where he's getting them. Maybe he's got some secret source of them. But yeah, that's going to be a tricky question for the science advisor of the next Hulk movie, which maybe I hope will be me. Call me up. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's, that's great. We have speaking You're like, with... I have an answer, but do you, I won't tell it on air. You have to call me <laughs> Yeah, pay me a consulting fee. I have to ask the director if it's oh, cool. I'll, I'll work for free. Oh, just to do it. That's really nice. Um, so wait, where do you where can we find gamma rays? How does that, where, is that a naturally occurring thing? Is that something you have to produce in the lab? How does that work? Yeah, so gamma rays are just photons, right? Photons, we give lots of different names depending on how much energy they have. Okay. So if they're really low energy, really long wavelength, we call them radio waves, and then more energy, we call them visible light, more energy, we call them x-rays, and then the really high energy ones, we call gamma rays. Ah. They're all just photons, okay. right? And uh, you can find them out in space. Gamma rays are produced by the sun. Uh, sometimes we get huge bursts of gamma rays when like uh, stars go supernova or black holes collide or big cosmic events. Okay. Um, most of the time we're protected by our atmosphere. Like our atmosphere is like a really good protection from gamma rays. Mm. And um, But sometimes some of them leak down and do hit you. Uh, they're also produced by radiation. You know, so when like um, mm. atoms split and stuff like that or you detonate a nuclear bomb or you do experiments with radiation. So that part is totally legit. Like you do ex- experiments with radiation, you're going to risk gamma rays. Wow. You, need, you need protection. And so, they are dangerous. But really, they're just it's just light, right? Basically, yeah. it's just a light of a really high frequency. Okay. And are we now at more risk because of what we're doing environmentally, the ozone layer? Are we getting more gamma rays? Are we in trouble there? We were in trouble because the ozone layer was disappearing, remember, in the 90s. Yes. Um, but then they figured that out. Actually, a guy down at UC Irvine figured that out. Ooh, shut um, up. And, uh, and then, you know, the chlorofluorocarbonzo. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Carbonzo. Just lean into it. Just lean into it. That's, That's how they say in Panama, right? Hexaprofluorofluorocarbons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, type that into Google. You'll find the right answer. Okay. Um, so we're depleting CFLs, the ozone layer. Yeah. <laughs> and that was making us uh, sensitive to gamma rays. And so, yeah, we were losing our protection. But, you know, they figured out um, the aerosol cans were eating that and uh, making the hole in the ozone layer. And they outlawed those. And now our ozone layer is nice and healthy. So uh, we should be pretty well protected from gamma rays. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. Unless you're doing experiments in your basement to try to turn into the Hulk, in which case, you know, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> right. In which case, um, eat a lot of raisins. Yeah. <laughs> or wear fine. lead padding, especially, you know, lead underwear. Good. <laughs> that's my recommendation. <laughs> but then you then you get bigger and they break. That's I think that's that's the original question. Yes, that's right. Yes. There's no way unless it's like yeah, super stretchy material. I don't right, know. Yeah, your, your dong is gonna just come out and everyone's gonna see it. <laughs> your big bulky green gamma dong. Well, remember Bruce oh, Banner has seven PhDs, so maybe one of them is in like you know engineering of clothing Textile. or something. Textile yeah. engineering. There you go. Textile maybe. Yeah, maybe he designed his own pants, knowing <laughs> that sometimes that happens. I would love that explanation in there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you got a lot of. PhDs to work with there, so. <laughs> um, I love how they measure your intelligence by the number of your PhDs, right? Like yeah, yeah. Albert Einstein, only one PhD, dude, sorry. Yeah, kind of a schmuck. Are you sure? Really? Uh, he didn't get any honorary PhDs? Honorary PhDs do not count. Seriously. Oh, Somebody tries to impress you with their honorary PhDs, then... 
Damn, because I was really oh, hoping man, to get Daniel, one at some point and then tell people to call me that's doctor. That's kind of snobby there of you. You you're saying an earned PhD is more valuable than one day. Than, <laughs> honorable? I think earned means more than unearned. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm going out on a limb yeah, here. I'm gonna, that's a pretty crisp delineation. Yeah. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. Um, okay. Also, you can lose your unearned PhDs if you're like an Whoa. impressive public figure and people want you to come and give a commencement speech and they give you a you know honorary doctor from Princeton yeah. and then later you're embarrassing. They'll totally just take it away. Damn. And you don't think that can happen in a regular PhD? It's much harder. But it's still possible. It's possible to get yeah. stripped of your PhD, yeah. but then you have to like have shown that you had committed fraud or made up data or something like yeah. that. Or, or, like if, or what if you like go on a podcast and, and make, come up with a name for like the chloro? chloro, chloro. <laughs> yeah, can you get stripped? Yeah, I think I just lost my PhD in chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> your honorary PhD. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, down, I'm down to just one PhD now. Oof, yeah. what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a bozo. Um, okay, the Tesseract. Can we talk about that oh, for a second? Mm, yeah. This is like some sort of unlimited clean energy source that they have in the Marvel mm-hmm. universe, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so is there theories on that? Do we have anything that's similar to that? Uh, I don't know. It seems to have like unlimited power, which I don't know if that even exists or makes any sense. Uh, it does. I, th- I think in, in the movie, uh, I think the, the Tesseract started in like the first Captain America movie. Okay. So there's 20 of these movies and, you know, they really sort of weave all the trivia <laughs> throughout. Uh, so they started in the Captain America movie and then later in the stories, they, uh, they I don't know if they retconned this or they, you know, they had it all planned from the beginning, but the Tesseract turns out to be one of the Infinity Stones, oh. which is like a, a big part of the plots uh, later. Okay. I feel so nerdy. F- no authority here on my no. This is good. Movie. I need to know. I don't even know what retcon means. Is that a convention it's like for people f- who fix it like later? Foro, uh, <laughs> yeah, bones on though. Gamma. Uh, well, in the movie, they describe it as like um, the energy of empty space, or you know, like um, yeah, they say it's uh, it comes from dark energy. Oh, okay. And you know, that's really Do they a really thing. in the, in yeah. the Avengers movie. They yeah. it's a, wow. oh, they use that. they talk about dark energy a lot hmm. and how um, <clears throat> the Bifrost is gone, so you need to use dark energy to transform or to transit or whatever you do. Um, and uh, this is pretty legit, actually, Whoa. because dark energy is a real thing. Right, it's um, we don't really understand what it is, but whatever it is is massive. It's most of the energy in the, of the universe is dark energy. Okay, it's like three fourths of the energy in the universe is dark energy, and it's pushing the universe apart. It's like inflating the universe. It's expanding the whole universe, wow. and it's doing that faster and faster. So it's a huge amount of energy. Okay. It's crazy. We don't know what it is, right? So I I, th- I think that's really cool that they like tap into this like unknown. This like, you know, we have we struggle with energy problems, but we know so little about the energy of the universe, and uh, and so that's totally true. And, and it is the energy of empty space. Uh, the thing is that we don't really. Um, it's not a lot. Like a cubic meter of empty space has a ton tiny amount of energy. Mm. The universe is big, so there's a lot of cubic meters, so it adds up to a lot, mm-hmm. but there's not that much energy in an empty space. So if you just like took a cube of empty space, you couldn't call that the Tesseract. So I guess somehow they've like managed to understand and control and tap into dark energy and use that as a as a way to suck up energy. So I mean, that like could maybe, work. Uh, like maybe the Tesseract is some sort of a conduit or some kind of like a battery of dark energy. Is that possible? Uh, 
I mean, since we don't know anything about dark energy other than it exists, sure, right? <laughs> I mean, it certainly could be. It could be. It's totally plausible that in a 50 or 10 or 100 years, we could understand dark energy and then tap into it and use it to do crazy stuff and Put create batteries. Cubes, glow. And make glowing blue, blue Have cubes. Have they tried to do stuff like that, like compress empty space? Because, I mean, we have, you know, the International Space Station and such out there. So are they, is there experiments like that? Um, we're not trying to compress empty space. We're just trying to, like, understand what is dark energy. Like, step zero is like, oh. what? Um, you know, we only recently, like, in the last Drum 20 it. years, discovered that it exists. Right? Okay. So it's pretty new that we figured this out at wow. all. How, how long ago? It was, uh, the discovery, I think, was 1999. Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Um, it yeah. took a while. It took a while for people to even, like, wrap their heads around. It's a crazy, mind-shattering discovery. Um, so that's pretty cool that they wove it in. And, you know, they took a lot of liberties with it. They're like, okay, it's dark energy, and you can make a wormhole with it, and it powers Loki's weapon. Right, it's kind of like, yeah, And it lets whatever. him, like, do mind control and teleport, right? Yeah. And all sorts well, of stuff. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot was Loki a lot, could do yeah. with that weapon. <laughs> Well, no, I think uh, I think in the movie uh, Loki's. I feel so nerdy being the expert here, you guys. <laughs> no, uh, stop. Let I'm, it go. I'm, like I'm yeah. not a, the flow, biggest fan of these movies. I just think they're fun, but uh, but I have seen them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> good. And, That's good. Uh, yeah, I think uh, so. It turns out the 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 weapon that Loki has, the bad yeah. guy in the movie, the staff. Yeah, that's a separate thing. That's not related oh. to the Tesseract. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, I they said just it was by powered color. by the Tesseract. Uh. Well, later they, it turns out that the, the another one of the Infinity Stones was in that staff. Oh, okay. So oh for this God. particular movie, we know because yeah, they said. I think you're right that they, they said did like say that. it is connected somehow, or because then it also like stops the Tesseract from working. Oh, I don't know right. if they're related yeah. in that way, but mm. yeah, they should have okay. gone back and retconned that. Yeah, yeah. See sure. me dropping okay. that new like jar in there. Uh, they, yeah, apparently they did. <laughs> yeah, um, and nobody made the. Tesseract, right? I didn't miss that. It was something that they just found. Like, even the, uh, you know, people from space. I know that's probably not people, the right yeah. term, but they talk in space, so whatever. Did you just say it's not called people from space, it's called space people? That's just I think that's how they prefer it to be called. Okay, my fault. Uh, no offense to anybody out there. Uh, the space people in this film uh, are after the Tesseract, and so... But they, they're not the ones who made it either, right? This is just something that, like, is a weird thing that was found somewhere. It's yeah, an in Infinity the, in the movie, Stone, right? Yeah, in the movie, you're, I think you're supposed to just, it's, it's there. Even okay. in, the, in the original Captain America movie where they introduced the Tesseract, uh-huh. it's just there. It's just there. Yeah. Okay. So nobody made the Infinity Stones? They're just part of the universe? Uh, well, I think in in the last Avengers movie, they explained that the Infinity Stones are like the uh, they were just made when the universe was made. Uh, so there's like six or six, I think five or six of them, and okay. they're they're just they were made along with the universe cool. in the Big Bang. In the in the yeah, they, well, they don't say the Big Bang. Did you say like when the universe was created? Uh, yeah, the, these six stones were created. Some sort of pre Big Bang uh, bang. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> possibly. I don't a big, know. A Bing Bang. <laughs> Great. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Um, okay, I have like a bunch of, since you were talking about the uh, spectrometers, uh, calibrating them for gamma rays for uh, basic cluster recognition algorithms. <laughs> there was like, I, I had to... <laughs> 
I had to watch it like three, four times. I had to keep putting it back and writing well, down. It's what at they were 120 saying. million degrees Kelvin, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So did that? Was that stuff just jargon, or were you watching that? Like, yes, exactly. That's correct. I think there was a mix there. Like, if the Tesseract emits radiation and high-energy gamma rays, then yeah, if you looked for it, you could probably find it. How would you look for it? You'd look for something which could see high-energy gamma rays. And what's a spectrometer? It's something which sees photons at various energies. So, yeah, spectrometers, you know, can see gamma rays. And if you put them all on the roof and connected them somehow, you could figure out where a big source of gamma rays was. Okay. So that, I think, is pretty legit. And you would need a basic clustering algorithm to sort through the data. Okay. What does that even mean, Daniel? What's a clustering <laughs> algorithm? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, how would you look for uh, how would you look for the tesseract if you had data from a bunch of spectrometers, right? Each one is like a little ear, and mm. you'd want to know where is the tesseract. So you'd want to know well which spectrometers is it closest to, right? So you get a signal from a bunch of nearby ones that all say, "Hey, I got a bunch of gamma rays." So what you look for is a bunch of gamma rays, a bunch of spectrometers near each other, all setting off, right? Ah, and like so a that's cell phone a, tower type. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that's like a cluster, right? Cool. And so that's what we call a cluster. So you need to find the, the disparate spectrometers and find the ones that are near each other that are going off. So that's a clustering algorithm. Wow. Yeah. Sounds pretty cool. Do you need a PhD work. for that, though? Do you? Uh, I wrote a clustering algorithm before I had a PhD, so oh. I guess no. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Marvel uh, <laughs> consultants, people. <laughs> you hear that? Um, but then they, you know, I think that was good. And I, then I feel like they went through a meeting where they were like, can we punch up the science a little bit? Mm-hmm. And they added, you know, like quantum tunneling effects and oh, heavy right. ion fusion. And, yes, uh, what was it called? Did they really? They just stuck that in there? Well, there was this moment when Bruce Banner and Tony Stark were supposed to be like sciencing back and forth and impressing each other yes. and having like a little, you know, That's rom- the part I science watched romance. Like, who has <laughs> yes. more PhDs kind of thing? Well, they were like, PhDs. finally, somebody I can talk to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, that was anti-electron the creators moment. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It was meet cute. Um, and I feel like a lot of that was just, you know, invented jargon, but it wasn't necessary oh. for the plot. They didn't really lean on it. They were just, you could imagine they were just trying to impress each other, right? So in right, real right. life, scientists might spy spout babble all the time like chloro fluoro bloro whatever carbons yes. uh, to impress people so that really happens I'm impressed right now from both of you um, they uh, yeah he mentioned they're trying to break through the column barrier column barrier do you know what I'm talking the, about the coulomb barrier the coulomb, yeah. the coulomb barrier is that <laughs> a, a thing the coulomb barrier is pretty uh, hard to crack as well that's the porn version of the Avengers yeah breaking the colon barrier breaking my colon I'm not gonna even I'm not gonna touch it <laughs> we're gonna cut this part right <laughs> no, that's uh, that's totally real. Like, if you wanted to fuse two things, what does that mean? It means pushing them together enough so they stick together. Mm. But if those things are repelling each other, you got to, you know, get over that barrier. And so the Coulomb barrier is how things that have charge repel each other. Like, two electrons don't like to be near each other. They're both negatively charged. They repel each other. Mm. Um, with the, the Coulomb force, right? With the Coulomb force. Uh-huh. Now, um, nuclei also have an attractive force. If they get really, really close, they stick together. So you have to get over the Coulomb barrier means, you know, get over this repulsive force and bring them close enough that the attractive force takes over. And that's heavy ion fusion, like for real. So Mm, that's that's a real thing. That was a real thing. We actually do that all the time at the Large Hadron Collider. We we don't just collide protons. We smash sometimes lead nuclei and sometimes gold atoms, like gold versus gold, like huge atoms uh, against each other. I assume that there's like really good reasonings for why you're smashing these things together. (laughs) But do you also just sometimes like you know what I don't some, some questions are, are not polite to ask it, that's not a polite yeah. question no, no I, I want to smash this together is a really good reason right like, okay that's, that's, that's all you need that's all you need 
you. Hey guys, it's Random Wednesday. Let's just throw darts at a board and smash some shit together. Does that happen? You know, like yeah, it totally does. Oh, um, I mean, we don't put bananas in there and stuff like that. We can only accelerate tiny little particles. <laughs> right, sure. But there is a part of it that's like, let's just see what happens. Nobody's right. ever done this before. Yeah. Maybe we'll rip a hole in the universe. Maybe pink elephants will come out. Yeah. There's an excitement there about like doing something nobody's ever done before. And so, absolutely, that like naive, what happens is is totally one reason to do this. Okay. I, I feel like you just need to append a little <laughs> there, and you, you would be totally at home in a movie. Like, let's just rip open a hole in the universe. Let's yeah. see what happens. See what happens, <laughs> guys. <laughs> I knew it would happen. I can't make an evil cackle unless I'm wearing a white lab coat. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I, I have one uh, in the back. I'll, I'll get it for you. Uh, okay, so uh, iridium was another thing they said a few times that it's mm. found in meteorites, etc. Is that a real thing? Do we is have a real ir- metal? Do we have iridium? Iridium is real. It's a real thing. It really is found in meteorites. Okay. Um, it's pretty cool. It's uh, found in meteorites and here, or it's specifically only found in meteorites? No, it's found in meteorites and in here, but more often in meteorites. Like, we have a oh. different blend of stuff in the Earth than we have, like, in meteorites or on Mars, which is actually cool because you can tell that a rock came from outer space or came from Mars or came from somewhere else because it has a different blend of stuff. Oh. Like, there's rocks on Earth that got knocked off the surface of Mars and landed here on on Earth, wow. which I always think is, is pretty cool. That is cool. Um, but, you know, iridium is cool, but I think the coolest thing about it is how it sounds. Like, it doesn't really have that special <laughs> property. Oh, I think okay. it's just fun to say. I, isn't, it, it. isn't it really important, iridium? Uh, in this, isn't it like a limiting factor in chip manufacturing or something? Like, like at some point, we might run out of iridium. Oh. I think that's nabibium. No, chloroforium. Nablabibium. Did I get that wrong? Is it, or is it platinum? There's a metal that we're eventually going to run out of and it's going to prevent us from making any more like circuits or computers whoa there are a lot of these they call them rare earth elements that don't exist very often on earth and are really valuable because they're important parts of computer chips and there's like really toxic mines where like a lot of poor people die every day like digging this stuff out of the earth so that we can have fancy iphones oh my god we should all feel terrible terrible yeah jesus feel terrible okay (laughs) let's move on um Uh, no i'm stuck here (laughs) help wait what are we talking about what are these uh minerals or what are these i don't know yeah i don't remember the names of all of them but some of these elements are pretty rare on earth and they are important for electronics and whoa why can't we make electronics without these rare earth minerals Uh, i think they're really important for batteries and also just you know some of the components of the electronics just work best but i think uh, that's an engineering problem so maybe i'll pass that over is it really (laughs) (laughs) apparently why can't we make batteries out of normal stuff can i ask that question I think we can, but uh, you need these metals, is my impression, is that you need them to... Oh, sorry about that. No, that's great. Um, I, th- I think you can, but I think my impression is that you need them to make better batteries or really good batteries. Or, okay. Or, you know, batteries that don't, uh, aren't like the ones in the 70s. What about those uh, Tesla batteries or like Tesla wall things that cells that they have? Is that using the same rare earth or are they, you know, trying to be, I don't know, in my head at least Tesla's like the clean forward thinking guys. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think um, I think a sad reality is that most batteries are made out of really intense, <laughs> okay. intense 
has chemicals. Yeah. Great. <laughs> well, that sucks. But that's an area of like really active research because it's a limiting factor in a lot of things. Like if we had better performing, lighter batteries, we could all have much more efficient electric cars, and you could have electric Ooh. airplanes. Whoa. Like the limiting, the reason we don't have electric jets, like you know, passenger airplanes, is because batteries are really heavy. Mm-hmm. You need a lot of energy to fly across the ocean, right. and so you need a massive battery. It just doesn't work. If we had lighter batteries, that would be good. And uh, battery technology is not really improved that much. Yeah, so, uh, that's what I was going to say next. It's like I feel like I'm still using the same batteries I used when I was little. <laughs> you know, like in my Walkman, I'm still using those same batteries for like my you remote control. You can get new batteries. That is allowed. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know that. I think... Um, I think regular batteries, like the ones you get in supermarkets, yeah. haven't changed that much. But battery technology technology has actually really improved a lot in in recent years okay. to the point where you know you can have like batteries made out of plastic, and you know that's kind of why drones have taken off the mm-hmm. little flying uh, helicopters and stuff like that. Right, right. Like you couldn't really have that, you know, twenty, thirty years ago because you couldn't get that much electricity or power in such a light and small package but okay. now they, they now they can make these amazing batteries that you can have these drones whoa okay cool um i also wanted to talk about uh hey i suddenly oh. remembered the names of those uh rare earth metals <laughs> wow so <laughs> oh, strange <really? laughs> did google uh <laughs> did you, i don't know what you're talking about that's so um, weird because you don't have multiple screens in front of you <laughs> I know. Um, just but, i mean, i can see you right yeah. here and you you just pull it out of just, your brain yeah it's just it's one of my other phds that was dormant for a moment <laughs> Um, no, it, it includes a palladium uh-huh. and platinum and tantalum, oh. uh, neodymium, indium, and this one I can't even pronounce, Y-T-T-R-I-U-M, Uterium, Uterium. Okay. I, I feel, no I, I read about tantalum recently because we were doing Black Panther, and I think that's one of the, like, they based uh, vibranium on these like because there's like these mines I think in the Congo where is what kind of what you were saying is like these terrible conditions but it's like this really rare mineral and I think Tantalum was one of them that they like based the movie on uh, so that totally makes sense and is totally a bummer and I hope that uh, <laughs> if battery researchers are listening to this that they uh I don't know. Have come, some coffee. Come the show. We should have fair trade euterbium or palladium and tantalum. Yes. And pay all those folks a living wage. Yes. And then all of our phones would be a lot more expensive. Yeah. And start, uh, you know, putting people out in space to find more meteorites so that we can have more batteries. Yes. Asteroid yeah. harvesting. More space people. We need more space people. <laughs> more space detectives. <laughs> Why don't we have that? Um, okay. So I wanted to uh, sidestep from science for a second because I read some really cool stuff about... Uh, RDJ, Robert Downey Jr. in this movie, who, as we all know, is very funny. And so he, I don't know if you know this as a Super Avengers fan, but he kept food hidden all over that lab set that he was like working with uh, Bruce Banner in, uh, Mark Ruffalo. And so nobody could find where the food was. And so he was just <laughs> continuously like eating in that scene. And that was not scripted at all. That was just because he was hungry and he wanted like snacks around. So he would just like secretly hide snacks, oh, which I thought was funny. really funny. And then a lot of his like really famous uh, quoted lines from this movie were all improvised stuff. He did that like Galaga line where he's like, that guy's playing Galaga. He didn't think we'd see him, but oh, we did. Uh, and then they like shot afterwards the insert shot or whatever of like the guy the playing. Guy, uh, well, that's sort of a really question cool. I have about production. Maybe one of you guys knows about this. Like, I see a movie sometimes and I see a line which is really funny, but I think that you couldn't have written that. Nobody's going to sit at a screen and be like, <laughs> say mean? it and say it this exact way. Like, some kinds of humor, mm. totally you can write. Other kinds, it's like about how people are riffing off each other or it really depend on the delivery. I wonder 
how it's possible to write that. And so I, sometimes I wonder, is some of this stuff improvised on set? Are they just like fluid with it and like, hey, go with it and we'll see what we get? Yeah. Or is it all actually just written and these writers are just amazing? Well, I think it depends on the filmmaker. I mean, some filmmakers um, like that and, and want to capture that. And I think some filmmakers just like stick to the script. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, it does. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it differs per director, for writer. You know, I think like Aaron Sorkin, for example, is a guy where he wants, you know, exactly what he wrote because he spent so much time and blah, 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 whatever. Um, I, from what I understand. And uh, but but, you know, when you have somebody like Robert Downey Jr. or, you know, there's so many great improvisers like you want them to just go off and make these jokes um, because of, of, I, I, <laughs> there was a few lines where like so when Tony Stark at the end like falls back to earth and he like comes to life because the Hulk like yells at him so A that was Mark Ruffalo improvising as the like in the Hulk oh, CGI really? screaming thing at, scre- screaming, at him? screaming at him to wake him up so that was improvised and then his reaction was improvised which was like a huge you know like for me at least it felt like the, the climax of this whole battle sequence was him you know is he gonna make it he does make it and the line in the script was what's next and then that scene was over which is like fine but kind of boring and instead he says like he wants Wants to try this shawarma place <laughs> they start talking about and then like in the post credit scene they go to the shawarma and place eating and they're shawarma, eating yeah. which is so good and so all of that was improvised it was just him you know having fun on set uh, so I just wanted to you know give That's a shout fun, out yeah. to uh, to RDJ for really I, for me at least coming up with some of the best lines in the film and I feel like that's um, the actor sort of taking on the attributes of the character like Tony yeah. Stark doesn't listen to rules doesn't follow orders all this stuff do you think that's like is that who Robert Downey Jr. is or is he like method acting and he's just like Mm. I think there's a combo package there I feel like he was probably (laughs) cast as Tony Stark because he's kind of that guy he's kind of this goofball like I don't care what I'm supposed to do I'm doing it my way Right, and everything's got to be done with style it's it's definitely like in the casting right because I mean in the comics originally Tony Stark is like an alcoholic and he's uh, he's got issues with all that and and, uh, you know rehab and and trying to get out of that and so when they cast Robert Downey Jr. I think that's what kind of what they had in mind was right. like this kind of figure who had that troubled past and yeah and um and is was sort of playful and, and kind of uh, egocentric wow yeah um also, I read that uh, the uh, since the movie premiered, that shawarma sales in L.A., St. Louis, and Boston reportedly skyrocketed. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> people were very people curious. Were like, what's shawarma? <laughs> yeah, all my heroes are eating shawarma. What is going on? Maybe Big Shawarma paid Robert Downey Jr. to mention that, right? Uh, oh, the powerful lobby. That's the sister to Big Pharma? Yeah. <laughs> Smaller, Smaller shawarma. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, okay, so, I mean, I feel like we're, we're running low on time here. I don't have my... my huge clock available for me but uh but i had some other random questions i mean yeah. like i have stupid stuff i i've like thor starts bleeding at one point so i was like okay what does that mean does he have uh. human qualities because he you know only bleeds at this one part which was weird right. then there's the hulk how he gets really angry and starts fighting black widow in the spaceship uh i mean i don't know what hella what is it called uh, uh hella carrier hella carrier thank you hella carrier yes it's but Hell of a carrier. It is. It's a hell of a carrier. Yeah, it and is. Uh, but then later, he's like able to be the Hulk, but he's also in control, and he knows who his friends are, and blah blah blah, whatever. Right. So I just felt like, oh, is this? Just, I, I don't know. Was he just so enraged with her because she didn't seem to do anything that was that bad to him oh. to make her like to make him like I'm going to kill you? Right. Well, it's interesting that you're reacting.
connections. They're all sort of about plot, and you know, do you know what I mean? Like you're, yeah. you're really in- interested in investing in like, does the plot make sense, and yeah. how does this how does this tie into that other thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think one of my favorite lines in the movie is, is sort of at the end when he says like, you know, my secret is that I'm always angry. I'm always angry. So yes. it's like you're thinking like, is he <laughs> the Hulk when he's out of control? Is it like on purpose? Is mm-hmm. that really you know that? He's I like, that yeah, was pretty, lets yeah. it go. I thought that was great too. Yeah, I yeah. love that line. Well, I watched the movie with my wife who had never seen I think any Marvel movies ever. Oh, uh, she's a biologist. Okay, and, makes me feel um, better. Yeah, and she had some comments on the science, but mostly it was about like um, bra technology. <laughs> Oddly, okay. like, didn't uh, think about that. Well, because I didn't think about it either. But you know, like one of the early scenes where the Black Widow is doing all her fighting and jumping, whatever. Yeah, she's wearing kind of a low cut outfit. Right, and right. My, my wife was like, I, I wouldn't be wearing that if I was doing all that activity. <laughs> you know, like I don't know well, how is she, she staying in probably there. Probably has oh, some uh, like a, she would want a sports bra or something. yeah, <laughs> shield active grade. Uh, Maybe Bruce Banner made a special textile <laughs> yes. engineering vibranium uh, invisible uh, yeah dark energy bra. <laughs> <laughs> dark energy bra. Uh, dark energy bra. Yeah, there you go. That's a whole market right there. Somebody jump on that. I mean, we should jump on that. We'll split it three ways, <laughs> guys. Uh, I'll I got to get my wife a cut of that. Sorry. Yeah. All right. No, that's yeah. fine. Four ways right. is cool. All right. Done. Um, so then there was uh, this... <laughs> He drills this guy's eye. Loki like drills his eye so that they can breach security. And I thought that was crazy because like there's probably so many ways that they can get into this building without doing that. First off, mm. you know, blasting a hole it in the wall. It was awesome or, though. I mean, it, it was, was awesome. awesome and just really evil. I mean, really, uh, that was the moment for me at least. I was like, man, there is just no chance this guy has any good in him because in front of all these people, he's like with that machine looks so uh, gross. And he really. <laughs> seemed like he was savoring it. I'm a big yes. fan of that actor. It was it Tom Hiddleston? Middleston? Yeah, yeah. Hiddleston. Middleston. He's great. Um, yes. He really did a great job. I mean, Loki is like ambitious but devious, but sometimes you can almost have affection for him when he's trying to be nice. Right, like, right. That's a complicated character. I thought he did a great well, job. Well, he was definitely smiling at carving this dude's yeah. eye out with a machine, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was just so absurd. I don't know. They, they It was much easier for them to get on that helicarrier and, uh, <laughs> instead true. of this German art place. Uh, so I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, then, uh, did you wonder about whether a helicarrier could actually like get airborne? Yes, I no, mean, huge. Wow. I tried to look that up and I what could not find that. That seems impossible to you. It seems that's impossible. the part of the movie that seemed most impossible. I would <laughs> say most impossible. It's on there. This is a long list, but like aircraft carriers weigh a lot. I like, there a was a wide lot. shot where it looked really funny to yeah. me because it was like you see all the jets on there and stuff, so you can see like how huge it is, and then the engines start turning and the water starts going. And I'm like, whoa, 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 really? Are you really gonna f- claim that this thing takes off? And yeah. of course, it takes yeah. off right then. But I don't think we have anything like that. Do you guys know of anything that can go <laughs> on the water? I mean, seaplanes, I guess, is like the closest we have but something that can carry jets no definitely not i mean it's uh, <laughs> aircraft carriers weigh a hundred thousand tons okay. so it's pretty heavy duty stuff yeah so you'd need and a that lot looks of even bigger than a normal aircraft well, i mean they oh, have yeah. uh, they have those like a cargo carrying helicopters right what do they call oh them? that's the big true beefy ones and they right. carry like With two a, rotors a, a bunch of tons right they, yeah a bunch of tons a bunch, bunch of tons a bunch, uh, of ton, a bunch uh, yeah a bunch is not uh, as big as a hundred thousand but yeah yeah, well, uh, yeah like a bunch well, of bananas i mean it depends 
has in your uh, reference frame. <laughs> so when you go and you buy like a bunch of bananas, do they give you like a hundred thousand bananas sometimes? And they're like, sometimes yeah, totally. you, you never know. <laughs> yeah. It's a surprise every time. I only have a twenty dollar bill, man. <laughs> well, here's a hundred thousand bananas. Um, okay, so yeah, we're not going to get there probably anytime soon. Um, what about the shield? Did you did you guys you know the, the, the shield stealth part of it or the? And I mean, like the Captain America's shield oh. is supposed to absorb vibrations. Oh is right, there, yeah, there, yeah. Um, we kind of we we touched on it briefly a few weeks ago on that Black Panther because it's made of the same oh, stuff. Oh, vibranium. Apparently, yeah, yeah vibranium. vibranium. Okay. So what what had, did the experts say then? Uh, that we do have like something of similar that like can absorb uh, energy and turn it into kinetic energy, something like that. So that was kind of cool, I thought, and I don't know, somewhat legitimate. Uh, but but I you know I appreciated how they didn't really harp on it too much in this film. Mm. It wasn't they didn't try and explain Listen how the thing. shield works. It's just like hey, you've either seen the Captain America movies and you're with us or not. And I was like, well, <laughs> I haven't, but I'm still with you. I'm down. But when Thor's hammer hits it, right, it's sort of like they're objects of like equal awesomeness, I guess. And yes. so they just kind of kapang away from each other. Yeah, but then everybody was fine though. Right. Captain America was fine. It doesn't really matter how strong your shield is. Like if you're holding a shield above your head yeah. and Thor hits down on the shield, you're going to get squished. Yeah. Like maybe your shield is going to be okay, but you're still going to get squished. That would have been great if you Well, got I would get squished, but Captain America He's got that serum. serum. He's got that serum, he bro. He took his vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> he can withstand a hit from Thor's hammer without the shield. It, you're saying this as if this was a science or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what about the ice, like staying alive in ice? Just oh. that in general. Well, they freeze their cells and they freeze like embryos and those, frogs. Yeah, they come back, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, absolutely. They freeze frogs? Yeah, you can freeze a frog and thaw it out and it'll be alive. Yeah. Little, what? Only some kinds of frogs and little some frogs. Some kinds of frogs? Yeah. Because they have this, the, the problem <laughs> when you freeze something is that your is that water is um, smaller than ice. So you freeze a glass of water, it gets bigger, right? Right. So your cells are all basically bags of water. What happens when you freeze them is the ice inside it bursts the cell wall. Whoa. Right? So then when you defrost it, it's like mush. But if you have other stuff in there, not just water, then <clears throat> when it freezes, it doesn't burst the cell walls. So okay. some frogs have this stuff inside their cells. I don't remember what it is. It's some kind of glycerin, chlorofluoro something. Um, <laughs> I don't know the details. Iridium. Iridium, there Iridium, we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes it so that it doesn't grow as much when it freezes. So you could imagine. Whoa. I think it's totally possible that we could freeze humans and revive them later. I think that's totally something we could do. I don't know about in 10 years or in 50 years, but give us I enough time. We're freezing frogs. That's around the corner, baby. <laughs> Come on. Also, would you want to be frozen? And when would you be frozen? I think it's awesome because it's the, really the only way to travel in time. Like, you could travel right. forward in time. You could, like, see what happens to humanity in 5,000 years. I mean, yeah. there's big risks there and you can't go back, whatever. But it's honest time travel. Like, you could right. really be out of time. I think that's pretty cool. Mm. What do you think? I think my kids would miss me, hopefully. <laughs> freeze them too, right? Don't you sometimes, freeze your kids, bro. Don't you sometimes want to freeze your kids? Yeah. Like, Could you I, just... I just want to pause them sometimes. Yes. Or mute That's them. That's what this is. Um, <laughs> mute but them. Freezing. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's really interesting, but I don't think I'd want to be frozen. I yeah, also just hate right. being cold. So I feel like... For, <laughs> being cold for 5,000 years. Yeah, it like a I'd just be in this frozen torment. I hate, would hate it. I don't want that at all. What if you came out like Captain America? Oof. I mean, if you're going to pump me with Wait, soldier like Captain serum. Captain America or like, uh, what's his name? Chris Evans. 
I mean, honestly, either way, I'm, I'm <laughs> like, down. Sign up That's a that. win either way. I mean, if I can act as Captain America, I'm equally down. That sounds great. Um, okay, well, I guess that's a, that's pretty much it. You guys have, obviously, people should check out your podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. Yeah, please do. Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. We have episodes on, like, dark energy and great. wormholes, all this stuff we've been talking about. What else have we covered in the... How big is the universe? How did the universe start? What's a space elevator? You know, uh, can you terraform Mars? All sorts of basic questions. Uh, people ask us. We try to break them down. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. it. And I we was... only have two PhDs. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, with only us. two PhDs, <laughs> they managed to explain all of this. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I was uh, uh, telling Jorge, I was listening to it on the way here. It's fantastic. I recommend everybody to check it out, uh, especially, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you want to learn some science and have a good time doing it. That's a great way. Uh, and I just thank you both for, for being here and talking about the Avengers with me, schooling me on uh, my non-nerdism that I'm trying to work on. Uh, and uh, hopefully see you soon. Yeah, well, thanks a lot for having us on. Thanks. Bye. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our social media producers are Kate Baker and EJ Gullett. And the executive pep producer is Brett Kushner. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. Send us an email at badscienceatseeker.com and leave us an iTunes review letting us know what you think of the show. And I will see you next week. Bye. Bye.